Welcome to another episode of the JMS Podcast. And man, does it feel good to be back. We have a great episode today. I interview local comedian Kyle Hovlin, and he brought some of his uh, friends along too. And when I say his friends, I mean characters he does on stage. And this is a really, really interesting conversation we I had with most of them. But man, does it feel good to be back. I feel like I said that already. Yeah, last week I was at San Diego, sunny San Diego. Had a lot of fun there. Went there for a wedding. And a good friend of mine, I was the best man. It was great. I was freaking out, you know, you know, best man duties. Because I was never the best man. I was. I have never been involved in a wedding to this extent. So I had no idea what I got myself into. But it turned out for the best, uh, I would like to think. Uh, I did not lose the rings. Although, uh, when we were at the altar and, you know, they were exchanging vows, I was, uh, I was freaking out a bit for a split second, you know, I was happy. And then for a split second, like this, this thought came up in my mind was like, Oh, uh, Jorge, I think you're going to faint now. And I was like, Oh shit, I might faint and it's going to suck. So I started doing these breathing exercises, right? <laughs> Just try to keep the blood flow, right? And I started bending my knees, you know, get more blood flowing and make sure I don't lock my knees and stuff. So, uh, Turned out, according to my friends who are at the uh, at the seats, they said that yeah, I was just bouncing up and down throughout the entire <laughs> ceremony, which is gonna come out awkward once the the video comes out. And I uh, know I did not lose the rings, th- thankfully. And uh, I almost lost the marriage certificate, though. Yeah, th- that was scary. The marriage certificate. It's funny. The marriage certificate is part of the cheapest thing that that you and you know put money for a wedding, and but it's the most important thing. And I was in charge of, you know, having it secured. And I put it on the table, right? So right after the ceremony, they go out there and they sign the paper and I witness and I sign. And uh, the ceremony is over. We go over and we go to the room to sign. And we, well, don't you know it? Uh, the fucking paper is gone. It's missing. I'm like, shit. Like, uh, this is not happening. I figure, wait, there's a wedding planner. Maybe she, you know, grabbed it and put her somewhere more secure. So I, I found her, you know, at the same time, I mean, I didn't say shit to nobody, right? You know, I, I don't want to cause a panic just yet. And I find her and I ask her, hey, you know, I the marriage certificate, it's I put it right here on the table. Don't you remember? If anything, you told me to put it on this table. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I should be right. And then she just stops. She freezes and she realizes that the certificate is gone. And that's when I realized, oh, shit, she does not know where it's at either. We're fucked. And she goes, uh, let me go look for it and I was like yeah you do that I will look for it and my buddy and his bride I mean they're both my best friends they're still you know I don't want to interrupt them you know taking pictures I don't want to tell them I lost a marriage certificate and we're looking all around and finally we meet I meet up with her again and I'm like I found it and she goes no you no I was like fuck so we're like, fuck it. And we just ask everybody in the room. We're like, uh, does anybody know where the marriage certificate's at by any chance? And then the uh, bride's father goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw it at the table and uh, I found it in, uh, you know, weird that was laying around. So I put it in, in the in the office. And we're like, oh, my fucking God. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, I can't be mad at the guy because it was so, you know, sincere. Like, he, he, he did it out of the, you know, he was concerned about the certificate, you know, being taken away. And ironically, he took it away. Uh, but we fixed that. We got it. And so the marriage is official. And yeah, I mean, I, uh, 
to my best friends getting married. It's so weird. It's it's those two really are something. Uh, big shout out to Alex and Serby in San Diego because they helped me out a lot. You know, uh, when I met them, I was going through some hard hard times, and uh, I had. I didn't really have any friends at the time, and so they're, they're one of the first ones and, and a group of international students to really take me in. And we're getting old. Uh, God, the people getting married, people are having kids. And uh, we the bachelor party, I can't really say much about it, but there's a point in the bachelor party where we went to the beach and to watch the sunset, you know, his last sunset as a, as a non-married guy. And on this beach, there was this group of young college international people, like, just hanging out on the beach. And we we're, I guess we kind of crashed it, but we were there hanging out. And I almost wanted to cry because that was, we realized that that was us. That was us, like, four years ago, four or three years ago, where we used to head out to Santa Cruz and hang out on the beach with a bunch of people from all over the world, people from different religions, different from different backgrounds, and we just hang out. And, and I don't know, it, it was like a huge, huge, almost in, in some weird way, the universe ha- had us like looking back in time. It's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're adults now. We're not really kids anymore. We can't really, you know, I don't know, man, but it was great. Uh, San Diego's great as, as always. Although, you know, my buddy keeps trying to convince me to move down there and stuff. I mean. And I told him, I was like, I think San Diego is great to visit. I don't know to live. I, I think I'm too ingrained within San Jose. Like, for some reason, I mean, I, I love the beaches. I love the whole, you know, sunny atmosphere San, San Diego has. But there's something about San Jose that attracts me to it. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just uh, accustomed to it. Maybe I'm too comfortable of it. I mean, I'm, I, I the thing is, I don't have, nobody has to be in their best behavior here in San Jose. Oh, San Diego, everyone's too nice. Almost, yeah, too, way too nice. I'm thinking this can't be. Me being pessimistic. I'm like, and in San Jose, you know, nobody really gives a shit. And I kind of like that aspect of that. Nobody really gives a shit who you are, what you do. Nobody has to be in their best behavior. That's why when you go downtown, you see a lot of <laughs> yelling and stuff. And in some weird way, you know, the smell of urine in downtown, I, 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 I'm not saying I like it, but it's like, you know, it's a sign of like, oh, yeah, this is home, you know, homeless people, uh, smell of urine in the streets. And there's not that and there's not much of that in San Diego. I'm like, it's just not the same. But yeah, anyway, I am back. This episode is brought to you by a film you should go check out. Uh, it is a student film. Uh, they let's see. It's a student film from San Jose State university students uh the writer and the director i know her uh, ashley valenzuela uh she's a really good gal she's very bright and i think she's rather inspirational actually yeah because uh when it comes to women in the film industry there's a huge gap and disparity and she's one of those people who's really trying to change that and right now she's currently working on a film called broken and she has an indiegogo campaign and if you don't know what Indiegogo is, Indiegogo is a crowdfunding source. And she's only about $500 shy from her goal. Uh, it's really great to check out. It's a great story. The story is pretty much uh, about a young woman 
trying to deal with heartbreak in a relationship. And I think that's all I could really say right now. You could check. There's more information on the Indiegogo page. Just go to Indiegogo.com. Search Broken. And if you can't find it broken, just add in San Jose, California. And I read the first couple drafts of, of the script. And it has a lot of heart into it. And I think that's one of the things that, that I really like about this particular film that she's working on. It's because, you know, film students, it's hard for them to write things with a lot of heart. Because we're still, we still haven't gone through many life experiences to really uh, write down things with heart uh, or I mean you can't it's just it's rare for me I find it rare to find a film uh, a student film that has heart in it because we're more concerned about you know the way it looks or we're more concerned if it's cool and so on not not so much if it has an emotional impact and this one definitely does and have a authentic that's a keyword is an authentic emotional uh, layer to it Worth checking out. Uh, Indiegogo search for Broken student film. Uh, and she could use all the help she can get. And uh, I validate her. I think she's a great filmmaker. She's a great person. And uh, yeah, let's, let's help her do it. Let's, let's help her make this film. It's actually her directorial debut. Uh, but she's not new when it comes to the, to the film set. Yeah, she's been a, a DP, a director of photography for numerous projects. And I think this project is is a, is a good, good uh, stepping stone for her. And I'm sure it'll come out great. And you know what? You know what's a good reason to, to check it out and possibly donate to this Indiegogo campaign? Because I might be in it. That's right. I got casted in a small role. Yeah, the truth comes out. The, whole, the only reason why I am... I'm trying to tell people to fund this uh, short film is because I'm going to be in it. No, I'm just kidding. It's a great film with a great story and being run by great people. But uh, if it's fully funded, uh, I do have a cameo in it. And unfortunately, that means I'm going to have to go back to Gilroy to, to film it. But that's okay. Anything for these guys because they're totally worth it. All right. One last time. Indiegogo. Search for Broken Film. Uh, San Jose, California and it's by Ashley Valenzuela and just check it out, see if you like it if you like it, donate, there's a lot of great rewards if you donate, really cool stuff alright let's go to the interview with Kyle Hovland Welcome to the studio. How you doing, man? Doing all right. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see me. It's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, about two days. Has it? Oh yeah. I see, dude. I was in San Diego last week, and so my my. No, wait a minute. I I don't really remember. I don't think I saw you Monday or Tuesday, so maybe it was a week ago. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I usually see you Mondays, of course, even though you don't host at Friscotti's anymore. Oh, I did see you because you hosted last Monday. I guest hosted. Yeah, I, but I, I see you every Monday, and, and uh, I see you Tuesdays. Usually you bring a, gu- a guitar, and you know, and yeah, then occasionally I, I see you when you get out to Woodham's <laughs> and Caravan, but usually yeah. just there, yeah. Well, it's hard when you don't have a car. Yeah, I don't have a car. You know, I don't have a car either. Yeah. And I, t- I take... The thing is that my car is, like, fucked, so I have to 
have to get fixed and it's gonna take a lot of money i don't i need to yeah yeah no i i i, I hear you i just try to get i maybe it's ocd or what i i need i do you have ocd no, I just, uh, yeah, I, no, and yes, but I, well, I, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, that, well, like, like, like that a doctor clinically told sure, you. Sure. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I, I definitely am obsessive compulsive, but th- that's, I don't want to bring that into it. That has nothing to do with it. I just, I have a number of seven sets that I like to get in. And if I could get it in three or f- usually four days, then I'm, then I'm okay. And, and I, I would lot the week before I, Hold on, what are you talking about? Seven sets? Stand up. Oh, we're doing stand Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. For a second, there's some about the car thing. No, no, no. So, I, it, we are in that. I, I usually, like, I'll go with my friend Zignoni, or um, sometimes I've gone with Nasco, and recently Zach. Um, but, like, you know, like, from Frascati's, I'll take the bus to Woodham's, mm-hmm. or I, I'll take the... The bus to Santa Cruz to go to Blue Lagoon or whatever. I just you know. Yeah, if you have to go to the Blue Lagoon. What? Yeah, it's it's you you haven't done it yet or. No, not yet. I it's, haven't. It's, done. it's it's. I really like how that room is ran. Like, um, the guy DNA runs it. It's like I've been there three times, and every time there's like fifty people, sixty people, and really responsive, and it's just it's really cool. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go there again, but. Now, your your style of comedy is very different from a lot of South Bay comedians. I think that's what gives you the edge, because you do characters. Well, I my if you're talking about my friends like like Robert Dupree, and well, and, how many characters total do you have? Well, I I have a couple friends. Robert Dupree, uh, I have who's a, an attorney from Savannah, Georgia, and I have uh, I think he was a poet. And a poet, yeah. He's an attorney he, and a poet. He's a, he's an attorney, but he's a he's a man of letters, and and there's uh, Chief Wahoo, and the uh, most recent one is Donnie the hairdresser, mechanical man retired to plastics, and so he moved. So I do. There are friends that come aboard, but when it's me, uh-huh. it's if you listen, there's setup punchline. It's I mean, some of the subject matter. Some people made. I, I a couple of people said. That what I oh that's your kind of style is I don't know different or whatever or I was like I mean I think everyone's style is different if you're original but to like it being classified as weird or something I don't see it as that at all when it's me it's just you have jokes and then uh, with my friends um, like you know there's a basic set uh, thing like with with uh, Robert Dupree there's set uh, there's a general outline, but it's never the same twice. You know, it's like improv. Improv is they, they, that's what they do. So yeah, you improvise quite a lot. With my my friends do, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Your friends do. Uh, so how long have you been doing stand up, and did you start doing characters from the very start? Uh, I've been doing it for about for two years now, and I uh, actually the first time I ever went up was in 2005. And then I very early on, I didn't know any better, and I went to a competition at Roosters, like my third time going, and I bombed so bad I didn't go for like seven years. Was this a straight stand up without any characters? Yeah, yeah. If you could call it even that, I mean, it was. I just f- forgot everything up there, and it was awful, you know. Well, what what made you do it in the first place? Well, it's I you know I talk to people that they're like, oh, I never, uh, you know, it's just 
I it's something I wanted wanted to do since I was a kid. Like I I wanted to do, to do comedy, and I just did. I it just took me. Was it comedians you saw on TV? Well, I think natural that, but before that, you know, you had it's th- certain things that are in your personality. Like when I was in first grade, I I didn't know stand up comedy, but I just started talking about bean bean jokes. On, uh, mean uh, jokes, bean jokes, bean jokes. Yeah. In so the you, first grade, the first joke you ever written was about beans, and that was in first grade. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't written, but I went out there and I started telling bean jokes, and for three years, kids <laughs> called me Bean, and I couldn't escape it. <laughs> you know? Was Bean was Bean your your nickname in school? Uh, for the first couple of years in grade school, but it, they would change. Like the first couple of years, because of the bean jokes in the first grade, kids called me Bean, and I hated it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then. Like a nickname changed to like chicken because I had this chicken dance or something, and then it would just keep Zonga was one, so these names would change. So from a young age, you've been uh, already, you know. I think so. I wasn't, were, were you the class clown? I wasn't though because in the class I was kind of quiet. You know, I was not. I would not consider myself a class clown at all because I would be. Usually, I didn't have the balls to be. The guy in class, like making a ruckus, you know. Usually, the, the, we had the, the balls to make a joke. I would but, never have made a joke but back I, in those I think days. Once I got comfortable, anyone that was my friend knew me as humorous. But for example, I saw this guy that I I knew from grade school, and I I talked to him briefly, like in middle school and early high school. I hadn't seen him for years, and he didn't know that I I never talked to him about wanting to do stand up or anything. And I ran into him with a group of friends. And this is in Long Beach where I'm from. And he's like, are you still a comedian? And I, I, I had never done comedy, but he saw me as that because I was just. So people still. saw you as a comedian from the friends young age. Did. Friends did, I think. I, you know, I, I think in a classroom, I, was, I, I would be kind of a daydreamer to myself. But but then uh, I wanted, when I saw the guys like Richard Pryor. Uh, How old were you? When Dennis you? Miller uh, in middle school. Middle school. And even before that. before that, YouTube. Le- er, early grade school. I mean, uh, late grade school, early middle school. And I was like, wow, that's, I think there's something. I was like, I, I'd like to, I really would like to do that. And I, I, when I was 16, I wrote that on a paper. Like, that's something I want to do. And then I, I. Like a bucket list? Yeah. I was like, I'm, I want to, like, I wrote down on, on a paper. I was, so at 16, it was a life goal to do yeah. a stand up. And, and well, was a life goal to be a comedian or was a life goal to do just do stand up? Uh, I mean, I had a lot of life goals, uh, but that was stand up specifically. I, I wrote down that's well, what I wanted to do. What was the top life goal you had on the list? There was no like l- list of like one to 100. It was just like, this is this is what I want to do. And this, like, when I was 16, 17, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. But I didn't have the balls like at 19, 20, some of the guys that do it now. I didn't, you know, it took 20 when I was 27 and then the long break after bombing at the competition for seven years and now I've been doing it for two hold on so 27 is you did your first set yeah and how did that come about well I finally it's weird um I grew up in Long Beach uh oh you're Southern California guy yeah I was born and raised there I lived overseas for like five years I lived in Saudi Arabia for about five years no shit yeah Riyadh uh Jeddah Jetta. Yeah. Why were you? If your entire family was out there. Well, yeah, because my dad's work. Uh, what does he do? He worked for an oil company. He was he's a, like a land surveyor, and at the time uh-huh. he, he did different things. But uh, they like the military. They pay you more when you're overseas, right? Right. So and they lived there with their families. Yeah, for five years or four and a half years or whatever. And he pretty much went out to the desert and surveyed for oil. 
oil fields? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. And we lived in in a in a but we lived in a condominium, uh, like a neighborhood with other Americans, you know. Right. And uh, did, you, did your mom work over there too? No. Um, I but she didn't have to do like you know, they didn't have to do all the Muslim customs while we were over there. But my mm-hmm. mom didn't still couldn't drive, you know. Outside the community, she couldn't drive. But inside, right. she could. No. Not even drive. You she could not drive. My mom could not drive when we lived there. Oh wow! And how long you guys lived there for? Like from okay, I was born in Torrance, and then from like babyhood, I lived in Long Beach. Wait, except you were born in Torrance. Torrance Memorial, the hospital. Torrance oh, Memorial. Oh, sorry, I'm not familiar. And, and, and no, it, it's it's it is it is Torrance is another city, a suburb of L.A. County, right? Uh huh. And but I, I was like a baby in Long Beach, and we went there for like four years. And then moved back here, and I, from kindergarten to late twenties, I was in, I grew up in Long Beach, you know. Okay, so you were there when you were an infant. So you probably I do remember. I do remember. What do you remember? Uh, like my parents put me in the in the shallow end of the Red Sea, and I'd see fish go by. And really, I don't. I can't even remember. Like my earliest memory back. was three. I was on a camel with my mom in Egypt. That's my earliest first memory that I remember. Was being on a camel in Egypt. Yeah, three years old and. Not vivid or anything, but that was like for the longest time. I just that was something like a picture. It's was like this in the eighties or? Yeah, yeah. Was it eighties or seventies? Eighties. Eighties. So yeah. things were. Well, in the eighties, things were not really calm. Yeah, in the Middle no. East, but in the Saudi Arabia, I don't think they liked Americans. But it, I don't. I know. I know nothing about it. But I know that we were. You. I wouldn't want to go there now, but. I think it was at well, least I'm, I'm, it was crazy. I'm taking you back what I just said. I don't think at any point in the 21st century they liked Americans. No, no, over they there. didn't. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. But, but like, I, I don't think my family ever felt threatened. I mean, the, that was business. And in Saudi, it's not like if we went over to like one of these countries where ISIS is. I don't think it was that kind of gamble. It wasn't like that. I mean, it was stable. And but I think I wouldn't. I, as an adult, wouldn't feel comfortable going somewhere there, you know. Right. So your father finished his contract over there five years, and he came back to Long Beach? Yeah, around there four years. Actually, he stayed. We came, and he stayed another year there, and we were there. And I remember as a kid, he had a beard or something, and he shaved it off, and I was, like, really shocked as a kid. Like, what? what, what, Is his dad? (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, uh, and I, uh, so, yeah, but. And then you grew up in Southern I grew up in Long Beach. And uh, I went to Wilson High School, and that, uh, actually, I went to the same. Uh, I went to Tincher Elementary, which is where Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Coppola went. You know, Nicholas Coppola. It's funny you refer to him as yeah, actual his, name, Nicholas yeah. Coppola. Coppola. And then um, high school went to Wilson, and you know the movie with uh, with uh, where Hillary Swank is like some teacher that saves the kids or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that Freedom Riders. Freedom Riders. That was my high school, and I, that was when I went there. Wait, so is the school that it's based on your high school? Or is the, yeah. No, or is, is the school that they used to make the movie there? No, it's based on my, the high school I went to, yeah. Wow, so you went to a pretty rough high school. Well, Wait, is that what it was? Thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. remember. No, no, no. Here's the thing. So I, it's I think, a white teacher saving somebody. So right. I, I, no, you, you, it's totally. You got it. But here's the thing. I never actually watched the movie. It didn't appeal to me. And I think that from what I gather, it's probably very dramatized. Like I, right. Well, you're Caucasian. Were you the minority there? Uh, yeah, I, I was, I, mean, I was, but, but, but there was like, you had like the nice, you had the, 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 some of the white kids that were very well off, 
you had what do you mean by well off like like they came from rich families and so on or yeah well there are some like middle class families like me and then there are some kids that lived uh i forget this it was like naples area or something that were like more like upper middle class then you had like you know the black area the mexican area the cambodian area you know all these and 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 there would be mexican and cambodian fights would would break out but really no mexican whites or mexicans and blacks i think it was, I, most well, blacks why? went to poly. It was very racially kind of. I think there was segregated. Seem like, but but I think it was like that at most public schools. Well, why were they finding the Cambodians? Were the most Cambodians refugees? More more Cambodia. Oh, Cambodia. Long Beach is. <laughs> I came from Cambodia. <laughs> Long Beach is a huge like outside of. Cam- there's more Cambodians outside of in Long Beach like than any city outside of Cambodia. Something like that. I, I I may not be right on that, but it was like a lot of Cambodians and like the Cambodian. You know, there's like this Cambodian gang and a Mexican. It was just really stupid. A lot of, a lot of like people. Were fight. you in any gangs? I was in a. Actually, I don't like to talk about it, but I was in a gang. Yeah. Yeah. Which I ones? The, 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 um, well, okay. I was kind of, I was in prison. <laughs> no, sir. And I, are you serious? I called that? the shots. You called the I shots? I called the shots. Yes. Like if I wanted someone killed, that's what would happen. Yeah. But I, I didn't actually see the movie. What, what were you, the skinheads or something? No, uh, we were called the, the um the West Side Adorables, you know? Yeah. Now is this is this Kyle or am I talking to one of Kyle's characters? No, right this now? is this is me. This but is I, I you know, you could gather if you think I'm serious or not, but yeah. But did we did you join a gang? No, no. No. Okay. So you pretty much had a you know, okay childhood growing up, would you yeah, say? Yeah, I yeah, I came from your regular middle class home. Yeah. Any of your parents into the arts? Uh not really. Like I mean I mean, yeah, they, my, actually, what am I saying? My dad, before I was born, was a painter. Wow. But is he a good one? I think he, he is. I think his pictures are cool, but he stopped and he, he went into, into, you know, being drafting and surveying. And, uh-huh. and my mom is like, a, like a ham bone. You know what I mean? Like this lady, like if you have the camera around, you've never heard the same ham, like ha- she's kind of like, no, I never heard of like it. someone that gets in. Oh, hi. Like not camera shy. You know what I mean? Okay. Sometimes, you know. But, uh, so I, I could definitely see the traits then. You got the creative gene in your family, and uh, you know you're a handbone yourself. Thanks. You get you get yourself out there. Thanks. And did you go to college down there? No, I well I briefly went to uh, Long Beach City and then came up here and went to De Anza. Well, I went to De Anza. Yeah, and I I got an AA there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What did you get an AA in? Uh, excuse me. What did you get an AA in? Uh, being hard. Being <laughs> hard. <laughs> yeah and also i got well okay i got a mate i got that was my aa and then i got like this it was even higher than an aa in being um like like sexable and that was sexable. like really uh-huh. a little bit higher but I don't, I don't like to talk about that you no. know so seriously what would you get a degree on um uh, early child development early that's good i was trying to study myself so yeah. see that's more honorable than my major my major is film Here's the thing. I love film more than I love kids. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely I'm love film cinephile. more than kids. I, I'm a cinephile. I love movies. I love kids. I'm a big kid, but I'm a movie fanatic, dude. What kind of films did you watch growing up? I Well, I'll tell you, I love older movies. I love John Ford, Howard Hawks. I love movies oh, the from classics. The, you know, 40s, 50s, yeah. I love 60s. I like Steve McQueen movies, James Bond movies, uh, and I love movies today. I the new Mad Max, I pretty much shit my pants watching it. It blew me away. Like I love the the first two Mel Gibson, uh, George Miller Mad Max movies, and mm-hmm. I think this may not be Thunderdome. The, no love to Thunderdome. I remember thinking I thought Thunderdome was cheesy. I, I may have to revisit. I, 
I love the first. No, you're two. right. It's, it was. I love easier. the first two. <laughs> the other two, yeah. But I think this may be the best one, dude. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I saw it in theaters with Victor Cruz Perez. Uh, no, I did not see the Victor. I saw my mom actually. I took mom to go see it. She's oh, a big okay. Road Warrior fan. Yeah, I don't know why Victor Cruz Perez even came up to mind when I said. Well, that. I think he's with us in spirit today. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Uh, now going back to comedy. Yeah. So at twenty six, you said you started doing comedy. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fuck it, I'm going on stage. I finally, jokes. you know, I actually before that. I finally in two, it was the the eve of the George Bush, uh, Al Gore presidential election. I finally said, "Fuck it." Two thousand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do this forever. I'm gonna finally do it. I took what they call in Long Beach, they call it the red line, and I took it from Long Beach to Hollywood to Haha ha Cafe, mm-hmm. and I went there and I Haha ha Cafe is pretty well known. Yeah, and I went there. This guy owner had like he had like a ponytail. He seemed like very Greek. I don't know. And what I, do you mean? He Greek? was like. When I put on the light, uh, you fucking watch your beeswax, buddy. You know, you just, I don't know. He, he, I don't know. He seemed like a kind of, int- I, he was an interesting character. Uh-huh. So I go there uh, because I went there one other time before that. So I met him. And, and so I was going to go up and do it. And I just, I, I sh- chicken shit it out. I didn't do it. And it wasn't five years later, finally, after moving up to San Jose, yeah. uh, the first one was at Roosters at Sunnyvale. And the first two times I did it, I fucking it was I didn't mean I, I do you even remember what kind of jokes you made it, oh, I'm sure it was terrible like it, it, it but because the crowd is so responsive it felt like I just rocked out the Coliseum or something I was like fuck yeah it was the first time I did it and I I did really well oh so you didn't bomb no okay. but it was like it wasn't like it like going to like a dive bars like the people were there to laugh you know what I mean people brought their friends and so they're there to laugh. so I'm sure it was terrible but I, I did I did really good the first two times, and then I went. So you're saying that if you get laughs in a bar, it means more than a laughs in a comedy venue. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I, I think no, but maybe more in that situation because that was like a showcase where people, comics were bringing people, and so they were supportive. Okay. But then I went to the. Comedy it was a bringer show. Yeah. So did you bring anyone? I brought a couple people. Yeah, I brought a couple people. But then I went to this competition and I forgot everything up on stage, and I felt it was. <laughs> so you had to improvise. <laughs> I went. Out, I was like, it was the worst experience. You know, it was terrible. You know, mm-hmm. and then so, but finally, I always knew I'd go back. But it took finally in twenty thirteen. Then I was like, I'm, I gotta go back. And I started slow. I started going just at Roosters, and then I started like at one point. I think it was October of that year. I started going. I, I went to Roosters like seven times in twenty thirteen, and then I at the end I started going to to uh like around october i started going to agavis which was an open mic at the time and i started doing once a week then i started doing twice a week then three times a week and then like since you know last i don't know december november i don't know i've been trying to get seven in a week i don't always get it in but yeah when did you first start doing characters uh maybe like a i'm not really sure maybe a year ago but here's the thing well, who's on a, stage yeah on stage. Uh, but not me doing characters you're talking about me bringing my friends yeah Sure. I call that. I called Robert Dupree pre-existed me returning to stand up. I was calling my friend Ryan and leaving mess No, I'm sorry. I <laughs> my friend Robert Dupree was calling Ryan and leaving him <laughs> messages on his phone. And right. there was another guy, guy that who's never come to the stage that would call my friend Ryan and leave messages. His name is Cacalini. Cacalini where's he, he from? He's he's an Italian American from New York. But uh-huh. uh, he's never come on stage because he feels like he he's too similar to like a dice character. Uh-huh. So he's never come on stage. But he calls my friend and 
you know, and, 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 and Robert Dupree did, he was, uh, and he would call him up. So these care, but it was about a year in, I, I said, Oh, why not bring them aboard? Let them try it out. And, 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 uh, you know, so Robert Dupree was your first, first friend to come on. Say yes, I yes. believe so. And, yeah. And, and you build a background. Uh, well, beforehand, I knew he was. I, I would. I'm. He had a southern accent, right? And here's the thing: some people may think. It's, can, can I actually talk to Robert Dupree right now? Is he? Well, here? I, I'm. I was gonna. I was gonna talk to you, but I could call them. Can you call them? Yeah, I'll call them. But I, I just want to say before about him. Yeah. Is some people think like it's he's mocking his own culture or whatever? I have uh, interest in southern poets and writers. My favorite was like Mark Twain. Mark Twain's great, but I really like this poet named Alan Tate, and he's a Southern yeah. poet. And they were from this group called the Southern Agrarians, and they wrote poetry in their, and their, and then I love the book Gone with the Wind, and it talks about being a Southern gentleman. and And my friend Robert Dupree instantly attracted me because he's from that kind of culture. It's not Honey Boo Boo South. He's like from Southern arist- aristocracy, you know. Right. But uh, it, was, it was most likely uh, his a descendant of slave owners. Perhaps I don't. I I I haven't got into it with can him. I think can we call it Robert? Dupree? I can call. Let me see. Let me go see. Let me see. All right. So, oh, no, no, he's no. coming right now. Okay. No, no, no. I, I just okay. I just text him. He should. Oh, cool. He's he's. He'll I, be here. In, he'll be here in one minute. He just turned the block there. Hold on. Yeah. Anyway, so before he gets here, um, so he he. How long have you guys been friends for? Uh, we've been friends for about four years, probably. Four yeah. years. Yeah. Oh, you just walked into the studio. Robert Dupree, how you doing? Good evening. So, uh, your friend, your friend Kyle here, told me all about you, Robert Dupree. Well, <laughs> Kyle's very uh, meticulous in his manners, and he's very—he's uh, a good man. He's a good boy. Where did you first meet Kyle? Like, well, what, we we it? we're both lovers of the arts, and he he had come about. Uh, reading about man of letters and, and and such and and I felt that it was distinctive for him to welcome me aboard and I was able to share some of my insights uh my my biggest poem that's usually a hit that people are familiar with is uh when you make love to a giraffe and I, I wrote that and that was my last one I it published in 2014 right it goes uh, Kyle sort interject uh my name is Robert. Robert. But Kyle was telling me that you first knew him by calling his friends. What was that about? Well, his he, he has a, a friend from uh, who lives in San Francisco that he went to high school with, and, and he likes, uh, he's very well-read uh, gentleman. So I, I, I would I'd call him and leave him some of my poems. And for the most part, do you like being on stage, Robert? I do, I do, I do believe I, I do enjoy it because you're, you're bringing people's insight into the flames of relativity. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, can I talk to Kyle? You know what? I, I have to excuse myself and go to the gentleman's room. You go do that. It was nice seeing you, Jorge. I'll you too. S- I'll see you around. See you around. Is he, hey, is he, he's done? He's, he's heading off? Uh, yeah, he might come back later. Okay, see you, man. Uh, so after you met Robert, who uh-huh. who is your second friend that you well, used on stage? Well, I, I, Mechanical Man was a great man, but... Is, is he retired? I really wish I could talk to him. Yeah, Any no, chance he could come by? He's he's 
he's retired to plastics in Portland and he's doing really well, but I can call him on speakerphone if you'd like. Sure. Okay, let me just go. Because he's, he's, he's done with the stage. You know. Is he? Good evening. Mechanical man, I'm glad you can make it. How's Portland treating you? It is very manageable. Do you ever miss uh, metal? Like, is the plastic working out for you? Plastic is durable and efficient. Okay. Uh, you st- uh, when did you first come into the stage? I tried briefly. After leaving the new store for mechanical hybrids, I made love to a computer box. So lo- love got you out of I was up. born out of silver wires and declared upon it is always behind the decimal. <laughs> okay. So what made you retire? I made a very good investment in plastics. So fuck going on stage. I'll live off this the rest of my life. Having sex with robots. Oh, man, that's too bad. I, you, you, you were one of my favorite of Kyle's friends. Well, I'll give you a call sometime. Oh, yeah, I would love that. See you later. See you later, mechanical man. Glad you can make it. Yeah, he's a nice... Did you enjoy talking? He's he's very... Uh, he's very... Precise. Yeah. You know. Uh, now, who's your third? Well... He's not necessarily probably was Johnny question mark, but, but my, my, you want to say this, the, my favorite beyond favorite with Robert Dupree. My closest friend is chief Wahoo. Chief Wahoo. Yeah. Is he here? I could, I could give him a call, but he's, here's the thing. He's very sensitive. He does not like to be pressured. Let me just give him a, he's, Okay, I gotta be honest. He know he, he's actually here. He knew that I was coming, so he wanted to come. You awesome. Hold yeah. Hey, look who's here, ah, Chief Wahoo. I come from Santa Cruz Mountains. <laughs> Thank you for coming here. I <laughs> love speaking on podcasts. <laughs> it's some kind of device that uh, speaking. Uh, metal box and hear my voice like clouds um chief wahoo you're actually one of my favorite of his friends now now that mechanical man retired mechanical man is stuck in a mechanical world i am of world of spirit (laughs) are you a shaman i can read your aura i see a lot of sad lonely nights Wow! Love making to yourself. You're very good. I read everyone's passion. Do you? I see liquor on top of your fridge. Yes, I've gotta go now. <laughs> hey, take it easy with it over there, will you? Hey, hey, tell the tequila, man. That's oh, my boy. I, he's my friend, you know. Oh God! All right, well, keep an eye on him. All right. All right. Uh, is there anybody else? Do you would I mean? He's not. I don't know. He's kind of. I did bring another guy, but I, I don't know. He's kind of. Um, you want to see Donnie the hairdresser? I mean, oh yeah, he's a, he's a fairly new friend of yours. Kind of been, he's been kind of getting my nerves, but I'll come on, Donnie, come in here. You look just fabulous. Oh, well, thank you. What do you shampoo your hair with? Pantene Provine? What do you got? <laughs> uh, I head and shoulders. I only use Elephant. It's a ground-based paste. 
uh-huh. for my hair. It comes from elephant semen mixed with Pantene Provine. <laughs> uh, where are you from, Johnny the hairdresser? I'm well. I'm from the world. I'm I'm a citizen of the world. Oh yeah, San Francisco. I guess I'm assuming. How did you guess? Only San Franciscans will claim to be part, you know, citizens of the world. I was here from San Francisco, but my heart was left in San Diego. <laughs> uh, how long you been hairdressing? Hairdressing, more like spiritual advising. <laughs> For seven years. Seven years, nice. And how do you like it being uh, new to the stage? I love Kyle. I mean, he's Kyle is so cute. He's so sensitive, and for him to let me on board with his little thing, I think that's fabulous. I gotta go though. I gotta. I have an appointment at, in one hour. I'll see you later. Yeah, later. Thank you for coming. See, well, I got a lot of friends in here. Yeah, man, you're group. never lonely, are you? Yeah. Well, you know, I. That's a whole well, other story. These friends, do they come because you feel lonely? Uh, I don't think so. No, I. I think uh, it's called uh, mental illness. Is what? What is what? No, I think we're we're my friends and. We have some similarities, so we attract yeah. each other, you know, in different ways, you know. Did, did you ever go in for mental illness of any kind? I am... Like OCD. Uh-huh. You got OCD, uh, right? I, well, yeah. I have like, obsessive... Uh, compulsive disorder. Cute derangement <laughs> disorder, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but to what level? Because my brother has OCD, too. Well, okay. We're getting into all kinds of... I Here's the thing. Now it's kind of in the vernacular where people are like, OCD has become part of the lexicon. I was part so, of the what lexicon well, 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 it becomes part of the language. People are like, Oh, you're so ACD. You like it's used for even perfectionists or people that are anal. And I am not an anal person. I'm not a oh, controlling person. I wasn't implying you were. But. No, 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 no. I, I know. I'm saying is when people say OCD, it can mean a whole means different things to different people. I was a kid that it was when I started going through puberty. When I was 13, I started turning on electrical appliances on and off numbers of eight, 16, 32, and I broke the family's VCR because I would press stop and play so many times. Like, like you just, just press stop, them? play, stop, play, stop, play. And then if a thought entered, I'd have to start all over, you know. Wow. Or I'd turn on the lights. And I had this like, I had this great grandma who had, she had arthritis, and she had a, 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 like a lamp that you would turn on just by touching it because she couldn't turn on the switch. So there was like five modes of it, and so I would have to go through the five modes and go over and over like eight times, and. My friend. So, so these were rituals, OCD yeah. rituals. Yeah, got it. And my friend, they knew, and they would fucking piss me off. Like, my friend would see me doing it at my house, and then he, right after I finished, and I would just start breaking into a routine in front of people. That's how so some of my friends. And then he would come and press it one more time, so I had to start all over again. You know, it was a real. And uh, so throughout uh, your school years, people will pick on you for your OCDness. No, no, no. no. I was, I, I don't want to say I was like. I don't want to say like I was a, like, the baddest motherfucker at my school, but I wasn't. But I I want to say I was a passionate man. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. It's, I I think I was probably. I think everyone going through school at some time has been picked on, or at least with close friends, I've picked on. You know, I've I've been on the. So I you, was I was not the big fish, but there were people that had it worse off too. You know. So you've been picked on, and you picked on other people. Yeah, usually the if I picked on anyone, it would be my close friends because those are the only people I felt comfortable to be an asshole to. Everyone else, I was just like safety first. You do you know have any I mean? siblings? I do, but my sister's seven years older. My brother's five years older. So, so that, you're the youngest. So 
you could say that or you could say the most important. It, it doesn't. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. And you used to pick on your siblings growing up? No, no. I mean, my my brother and sister were always good good to me. They just what, what do they do? They have bad taste. But what? What do they do? Actually, uh, my sister is like a teacher, and uh, like she, a teacher or is she? A she, is, she, she is. She is. Okay. But it, it's kind of complicated. She helps people enroll or whatever. And uh, she she left Long Beach when I was in grade school and went to Santa Cruz and, and lived there for like 20 years. And now she wow. lives in Scotts Valley with her kids. She has two kids and lives there. And she, That's yeah. beautiful. Scotts Valley. Yeah. I like it. After Blue Lagoon, I spend the night there. And then my brother lives in Berlin. Does he? Yeah. He's, uh, he's I don't know. He's a, I, don't, I can't even describe He does something with computers. I can never describe it because I know how to turn on the computer and go on the internet. Right. But like people are like, I'm... I'm in hydrophonics. Like I don't even know what you're talking about. Like mechanical man would know, but he he uh, he moved from L.A. to he was living in the city of L.A. Then moved to New York. Met this German girl. And now they're living in Berlin. They have a kid there. Wow. So you're and an I, uncle. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I am uncle with two nieces and a nephew. And I went over there and last uh, year, about twenty a year and a half ago, it was amazing. You know, I want to go back. Go back to Germany. And like we went to Berlin and Bamberg. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and and my brother's a he's a good guy. Hmm. My sister's a good gal. Y'all get along? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. I'm when I'm not causing problems, we get along great. What kind of problems do you usually cause? Well, crime, street crime, and, <laughs> street uh, crime. <laughs> like what? What? No, I don't. I don't. Really, I don't. I'm just no. I'm fine. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. All right. We'll we don't want to open that bag of tricks. <laughs> I, I no. I'm not for. You know. I just. You know. You know. You're kind of the pain in the ass kid. Or well, you're the youngest. I'm the youngest, and yeah, it happens. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, you started officially like as a. You did stand up like uh, as a regular thing. Is stand up a career choice for you right now? I, I want it. To me, it is. I'm not. I won't, I'm not getting paid. I got paid a couple times through Pete Munoz, like, like at one of the Gilroy mics. Like, maybe it was like, I don't know, ten bucks or something, five bucks. And then, but no, I'm I'm not getting paid. But that's what I I know. That's what I wanted. I want it to be my career. I love I love kids. I work with kids. I love kids. But like, this is what I want to do since I was a kid. And whatever happens, I know I'm gonna do this as long as I'm alive. Like, until I die. Like. I, I understand, like people are starting, people they come and go, mm-hmm. but whatever happens, I'm not gonna stop doing it. For you, what is success for you when it comes to stand up comedy? Like, if I could, like, if I could make wh- a, where li- do you want to be? If I could do it for a living, one day, I would be really happy with that. And if I, if you know, if I could, just that's what I, that's what I would like to do. You know, and and and, and just make a living at that that i'd be really happy and just you know just have a lot of money and and women that's all i'd that's all i want you know and power and 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 no. <laughs> so you want but, but power no, no, no 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 i want not in that order but i i uh now i would on seriously just like to make a living just for you know now for a living i'm know. sure you know this by now when it comes to your comedy style it's it's it's, it's very divisive in a sense that there's people that really love you, and there's are people who are not really a fan of your of your comedy. But for the most part, I like to see you more as a comedian's comedian, because you make comedians laugh more than other comedians make other comedians laugh. 
Well, I don't know if I agree with both of those statements. I I don't doubt that there are people that can't stand me, and but I feel like there is the situation for Scotty, where that the that one guy that just sits in the front with the headphones and <laughs> that's and, like let's not say no names now. No, I'm not tossing any names. But I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, and and I'm not unique in that spirit. He complained about everyone. It was just I made I'm I got on top of his list because I called him a douchebag, and so that so which complicated a lot of things. Right for me too. Right. Yeah. And but he is just there. Who sits at a place looking and then if they hate it, you know I don't understand people like that and. And so I I went up to him before and sh- tried to shake his hand and be nice to him because I, I sensed he was complaining. And so to me, it's not really I, I'm sure there are people that hate me, but I, I think most people that aren't into me, my, into the stand up that I've done, they're probably don't even give it a second thought. I think that guy was just a douche that, that, that that's looking yeah. to complain about these. Now, the other thing you're saying is comedians, comedian. I've heard a couple of people say that. I'm not so sure that's true. I, I, I think I'm sure there are. I try to be nice to everybody just because that's who I am, but I'm sure there are comics that can't stand me. I don't know, you know? Well, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, like, for me, I feel like I'm not that funny, especially around other comedians. Like, like I think a lot of comedians are a lot funnier, wittier than I am, but you just come out of nowhere like a fucking train wreck and just, like, hilariously crack us up as a group. Thank and, you, man. And, Thank you. Yeah, and that's a compliment by all means. Uh, now, as far as going back, like I didn't single that guy out. You did for this conversation, but I get two reactions from audience members when it came to your comedy. And one is, "Wow, this guy's great. This guy's different. This guy's, you know, great." And the other, and the other reaction is, "I don't know what this guy's doing. This is weird," you know, because again, because you're so unique. Well, here's the other thing too: is that's Tuesday. For Scotty's now, is this only for Scotty? Do you do you feel like no? I'm sure there's. I'm I'm sure I could because you bring for Scotty quite a lot. Well, because that's where you see me. I've seen your caravan at Woodhams, but I'm not very much. I don't see you at Woodhams very much. Yeah, because you're busy ignoring me in Woodhams. No, because I see you mostly at for Scotty's. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But if you're there, it's usually you've already gone or you know, but. The thing is, is that you're going to get a different group of people at a coffee place than you are at a dive bar like a Woodhams or a Caravan. And you're going to get different people from those places than you are at Blue Lagoon in Santa Cruz. And so I'm sure there's been people that hated me everywhere, but I and people maybe that like me everywhere. But, you know, I, I, I feel like for Scotty's even is different on Tuesdays and Mondays because Tuesdays you have musicians there. And I think that's been my hardest. I still feel I've done well on Tuesdays and it's been great, but there's been a few times where there's been musicians who are kind of rude to comics coming up or that they want everyone to pay attention when they're playing and then they're like talking or whatever. And Has any musicians been rude to you? Well, they've been nothing but nice usually, but like when you're going up and some guy's like unplugging his amp or doing stuff while the next person's on, it's kind of rude, you know? Yeah. And now you performed at Poorhouse, right? Yeah, Poor House Bistro. I really like Poorhouse Bistro. It is, and see, that's a whole different crowd because Poorhouse Bistro is all these like like uh, baby boomer like sixties. They're like old people hippies, you know. Mm-hmm. So there are people like my parents' age that are still like really into like jamming, man, and and like 
and like some of these guys are playing a lot of like Rolling Stones covers. The the bands are there, so it's it's an older crowd. And so what they find funny is gonna be different than what hipsters at a coffee find funny from what like shitheads at a dive bar find funny from what you know what I mean. So for the most part, have you found your crowd? I don't know. I I don't think maybe I haven't thought that out. I just I think I found my crowd when I when. I'm doing well, and, and a lot of people are laughing. So, and I've, I've, I feel I've done w- well at every place I've done, and I've ate shit at every place I've done. So, you know. Now you've performed quite a few places. I, I've performed at, at, at I've, I've performed around. I, I don't, I'm, you know, to someone like a Pete Munoz or some of these guys have been. They've done mics and. LA up here like or guys that got on the east coast I'm sure I've done nothing compared to them but I've 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 done my fair share in the south bay and yeah and what's the biggest crowd you performed in front of I think it was the improv San Jose improv oh how did that go you were there what would you say was I there was that your first yeah wow yeah yeah you did well I did I did do well I, I got a good response from the crowd I wasn't feeling great but I did well and uh but I think to be fair everyone did well that night you know but uh, yeah, I I I'm, uh, I think I'm gonna go again in July. Hopefully, that's what what uh, what um, Victor was saying. So really, yeah, first. I'm on that. I'm on that ticket. Let's do it. It's the birthday. Yeah, it, it's gonna be my improv debut. Oh, nice. Dude. Yeah, I, I haven't really uh, promoted it on this podcast. I'm kind of I guess. Have you already that. seen the list of people that are on it? No. Have you? No, no. Yeah. He just Victor told me, so I bet I got better remind him so he doesn't forget. So we're performing together at yeah. the improv. Let's Holy do it. Yeah. Shit. That's going to be fun. Take your shirt off. Let's do it. <laughs> Get down and dirty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I look forward to that in July, you know. Look forward to that. I was nervous because I brought some people that I knew, and I usually don't do that, but I was like, you know, you try to, you're like, oh, uh, you know, you're like, why not? This is kind of going to be a bigger show, and you bring some people, and most, like, 90% of them don't show up, but then, you know, a couple people and someone's grandma show up, and you still don't want to look like a shithead then, so it, it, I was glad I did well. Yeah. You know? so I, d- I didn't, I'm not, yeah. Yeah. Talking about the shitheads, we, me and you were in a... In we're a, in a musical group. Yeah, we're in a musical group. Called the shitheads. Yeah. Yeah, the shitheads. I remember that. Uh, our song, to me, rocked that crowd at... Uh, I think in every crowd we play our, our song. We've only done one crowud but or one well, facility. Well, to be fair, we, we only have one single. Number one in New Zealand. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, what are you talking? You're bailing out on me now. No, no, That's no. That's our hit. It's just you know, I I knew we're in the charts, but this young lady was like, "I'm from New Zealand, and this isn't New Zealand." So I don't know. Maybe, maybe she has poor. You know poor what they call that? In music. They call that haters. Haters. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, so what else do you do besides comedy? Um, I tell you, I like watching movies. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Uh, you seem to read a lot. You know a lot about uh, a lot of writers and poets. And I, I. I mean, I don't. I. I like. I like books and movies. And. Uh, but, you know, I'm. I'm not going to say I'm like the most well-read person in the world. I'm just going to say I'm the most dynamic, and sexual person in the world. And that's what's important is that the grandparents, like you. You know what I mean. So you're only sexual towards the grandparents. You got it, buddy. 
you got it. Uh, All right, so I'll make sure to keep you away from my no, grandparents. Exactly. No, it doesn't make any sense. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like I like books, and and I, but I always feel kind of self conscious when people ask, like when someone says, like, "Oh, you're really well read," because I think I I'm all right but and i love books but then you know if i say i'm well read there's gonna be some guys like i went to oxford and i read and i'm like i won't even know what he likes but i wouldn't even heard the books he likes but i, I really love fairy tales which makes sounds really corny no, uh, it sounds like it fairy sounds tales. Like, like, like disney fairy tales like uh well no, not exactly i mean a lot of disney movies are based on those fairy tales but which I, makes I, sense because it seems like the kind of guy that likes happy endings if you know what i mean you know what? My parents aren't listening to this. Yeah, yeah. I hope not. Uh, uh, <laughs> My parents either. Okay. I uh, no. I, I like Brothers Grimm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Perrault. Brothers Grimm does the. There are German folk tales, right? Charles Perrault does the French folk tales. Uh, Hans Christian Andersen is Danish, and he wrote a lot of originals. But like those fairy tales, a lot of stories, and there's different versions. One of my favorites is a Frog Prince. I love. Uh, uh, you know, Little Red Riding Hood. Um, and there's like more. <coughs> well, what is it about these fairy tales that attracts you? Uh, I like mythology, I think. You know, I, I really like the Iliad, uh, Homer's Iliad, you know? Mm-hmm. Beowulf. I think that. And I like the fact that I think it's. There's a purity, like, to Brothers Grimm stories. Like, a lot of them are very violent, but. The, there's distinct differences between good and evil and like the bad guy really gets it and I think there's a lot of it's mythology it's for children but be, I, adults could enjoy it you know so do you see life as black and white good and evil no no because I think I have my own like evil and good you know just like anyone but I think it's something to aspire to you know what's an example of what you consider good and evil well, I I have my faults like anyone. I, I have kind of an addictive personality, you know, and sometimes I make, I've in my life, I'm insecure, I have my insecurities and I will stuff myself with like food and alcohol or whatever, you know, and just, and. So do you find like gluttony a sin? Because I'm, yeah. I'm a big sinner if that's the case. Yeah, no, totally. I, I'm, I'm gluttonous. I'm, I, I take the easy route and easy choice. Sometimes they don't make the right choice and then I hate myself for it, you know, but I have good. On the other hand, I'm also, I think have good and will surprise, you know, you surprise yourself sometimes like, Oh wow, I did the right thing there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just, I think most people are somewhere in the middle. So you do know? you feel like you do more bad than good? Uh, I don't know. I guess that would be, you know, if you, I don't think that would be for me to, to decide almost. I don't know. I, I, it's, because I'm only looking at it through my, I'd like to think I'm doing more good than bad. I'm not. I'm not a murderer or anything. I'm not yeah. a rapist or anything. But I, 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 uh, I, you know, I think I do more good than bad. But I'm not like a. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Because you seem like a real good guy to me. I think I seem like a great guy to you. But oh, that's true. You no. are, You do seem like a great guy to me. <laughs> no, I. Uh, yeah, I, I. No, I am a good guy. I think. I think you know. But I. I I think we all have good and bad. So I, that's, I'm just trying to say, I don't think it's super always black and white, but I do think there are evil people and there are really good people. What's an example of a really evil person? I just said like a murderer or someone, there, there are some whacked out people out there, you know, Mm -hmm. people that take advantage of old people or kids or harm people. 
there's some shitty people out there and then there's some really good people you find people that like you know volunteer all their time helping people or like so i think most humans are somewhere in the middle like they're they're neutral where they're they have good and bad and usually they're above average good tendencies predominate but they have potential good and bad things in them and then there's people that are like heroic who we aspire to who are great and then there's like the monsters and those are the people we need to execute yeah see i don't know man i feel like the majority of people around the world are assholes like i really feel like i feel even even the heroic ones can be assholes yeah and, the, and it feel, gets complicated yeah yeah like I, I feel like you know uh it's it's how we use these assholeness that we have to either for selfish reasons for what's best for for, for the eye the person like you know the shelter and stuff uh, I don't know. I don't want to get it. But the point I'm trying to make is I guess I'm more pessimistic than you are. That's I guess. That's you think so? I, I think Maybe so. so. Maybe I'm just a sweet boy and you're you're very pessimistic. That's yeah. <laughs> I'm just a grumpy, <laughs> just a grumpy Latino in in the U.S. <laughs> uh, what's the process of you coming up with stand-up jokes? Um, I tried to like, uh, I try to have a day where like I'll just be quiet and write it, but I I usually. You know, I I, I, I feel like it, when I try to force it, it doesn't really work. Sometimes things just come, you know, you're taking a shower, you're walking, you're whatever. Something will come and go, oh, that's an idea. And so you don't really, you don't sit down. And I do sit down, but it, it's, I think the best stuff I've come up with is when I'm just like doing something else. And I think of something and I'll write it down. And then I later on kind of try to think of, oh, how can I make that where, make that a punchline with that or, you know. And um, my friends, as we were talking about earlier, who joined us, mm-hmm. I think they're more like, I I don't even, I can't even say how they come about. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they come to their, I mean, I guess you have to talk to them, but I, it's, if I sit there and think about it, I, I don't even know how it, it just happens, you know? Were you ever into acting? Um, no, but I, I mean, I, 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 I was interested in it, but I, uh, I never went to like, you know, I, you know, I took, I never went to theater school. I, I you know, I never pursued acting, but I, I had an interest in it. And also I had an interest in improv because I think that was like my first, uh, comedy experiences was like on SNL seeing, you know, Dana Carvey or, or being really a little kid or skits on Letterman or something, you know. And so I think I kind of have, you know, my friends that come about a lot of that's in, there's a lot of improv in that, but I've never like, I talked to, uh, Amy and, and Ben about, I know they teach improv and I would really like to meet them when they're doing, you know, the improv class when they're doing, they call it a jam or whatever that is. You want to do a jam, an improv jam. So I was like, yeah, I want to go and you know, <clears throat> but you've never done actual improv before. N- n- well, my friends do it. My friends improv on stage in a stand-up setting, but I've never done like a troupe or nothing like that. Yeah. Do you feel like you do well in a group setting? I. That's a great question. I don't know. I think I do, and I don't. Maybe. I think it's the only good question I had all day today. No, you. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> but so you're saying you do well with the, with the. Uh, maybe not the best. Not. I. I'm easy. I think I'm. I think I'm easy to work with, but. Like, I don't like to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm collaborative, but a lot of, 
you know, you come up with us in jobs, working with people. There's a lot of like anal controlling people. And I, I probably don't handle it. I don't know. I, I, I don't, when I, it's hard working with people sometimes. Okay. You know? So you're like me. We're, 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 we can be difficult to work with. I, yeah, I don't see it. Maybe I am and I just don't see that. But I, I think that, I think I'm easy to work with. I just find other people are hard to work with sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, it's them. Well, I don't know. Dude, I, I worked with some people for like uh, in, in teaching for five years and I got along with them great. Hmm. And then I had like a year or two where I was like, every person I worked with was like, borderline psychopath like nutcase you know and i was like i'm fucking i get me out of here you know i just want to i'm a live and let live guy but the problem when you get in groups that like i don't know i'd have to try it i i'm I'm interested in improv but with stand-up like people talk about writing sessions i would go to something to learn because i'm i'm always learning Writing sessions for stand-up yeah or like people look down on comedy classes or something i hope you didn't pay for that did you i've never done it I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about paying for writing sessions. I find that very no, weird. I didn't even know there's money involved. I've, I've never done it. Some but, people do it. Some but but like, some comics talk about meeting together, not paying, just oh, meeting together. That's different. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, me, like, uh, I'm not saying, like, I'm I'm always open to learning. That's why, like, I'll go to, like, a Phil McDermott or, or I mean, sorry, Patrick McDermott, who's, I think he's great, and I, I'll talk to guys like him who's been around or... And I, I have questions like, well, you know, about the process of, of, of what their experience is. And I'm always, I want to learn till I die. But when you're in, when you're talking about a group writing session, like people having, I don't know, I feel kind of maybe possessive or, or you don't want people changing what you're doing or, you know, I don't know. But what do I know? Maybe I'll, I just, I can't imagine someone writing something taking something that someone else wrote to do I mean you know Richard Pryor is the greatest stand up ever and he worked with Paul Mooney and there's people that worked with me I just I just don't I don't know you know mm. uh, you mentioned that you teach yeah what What do you teach uh, I, I am a preschool teacher at um, uh, like it's there's a school for Cisco employees where like they provide you know child care for their for the employees and uh there's two teachers in the classroom. There's like a head and a co-teacher, and uh, I it's really was what they call a floater teacher, where I just go around different classrooms. And now I'm in one classroom as the second teacher, and it's this is the basics like ABCs and stuff. No, it, it well, it's it's like I'm working with really little kids. It's preschool, you know, but it's uh, it's not quite that. I mean. It's like two to three is my age group I'm working with now. I used to work, I work more with four to five. Two to three. What yeah. do you even teach? Like, can you even teach anything at that point? Yeah, they're 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 like sponges. They're really smart and and but there's like I figured they're like toddlers. You just let them play. That's that's why I. Did. Well, I think that. Then so again, I'm not. I, I didn't study. A lot of people look at it. Look at it. Do I know. A lot of people look at it as just like babysitting, but it's there is it depends where you go, but it is there is learning and there's like there's activities that. It, it may be play based, but there there is there is a uh, curriculum. There is learning. There is like okay, you're you're hitting different milestones. This kid is is what's an example of a milestone? Because I I can't even like remember. one that they always teach in school is this water conservation thing where a kid could tell the difference. But if you put the same amount of water in it in a in a giant container versus a small container, there's a milestone where they realize that just because a container is bigger doesn't mean it's more water you know oh. so it's like that illusion 
Like, uh, there's like two circles, and there's a darker circle. One's bigger, and one's smaller. Well, I, I, you, you just pick up certain things. You reach an age where you realize just because something, someone takes a ball and and throws it out the room, it doesn't mean the ball's disappeared. It just means it's out of the room. You know. Is that what separates us from dogs? Well, because you know how dogs you fake throwing a ball, and they and they assume that you threw it. Maybe because they trust us so well. Right, because there's dogs, a level of trust. Dogs are... Which is their downfall, probably, <laughs> is that they trust us so much. <laughs> that, but that's what makes them so great. Dogs are amazing, and the thing is, is I, you know, I think there's a bond with dogs and humans that can't be replicated. I do believe there's truth in old sayings, like, dog is man's best friend. Not only are dogs super loyal, but then you look at their smell and their sense of hearing, and in certain ways, their intelligence is off the charts compared to, I mean, I, I can't, I almost feel like dogs are sensitive to earthquakes, you know? Hmm. I mean, I've seen dogs, they dogs have, they're surprising how smart they are sometimes. They don't have language like us, so we think they're stupid, but then on the other hand, their sense of smell is, I, I, what is it, how many times stronger? They could smell, they could start barking because they and they know your smell i mean i can't distinct people by smells they know something smells good or bad but i can oh this is jorge walking in the room you know what i mean but they don't know like how body to keep, odor you you don't think you could tell yeah if it smells like shit but i i, I can't say oh this is jorge <laughs> oh, thank you no 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 if it no. smells like shit it's jorge no no no, no, no. if it smells if it smells bad or good but i'm not gonna be like that's jorge smell that's Johnny's smell. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not stiff, you know one's butts. Dogs to, know to identify by their, their sense of smell, their hearing. They can hear things we can't hear. They just, they can't communicate with language like us and they don't, they don't, they're not going to build a civilization like us. They don't have that kind of, but they have intelligence in different ways that right. I think, you know. But as we're going back to these kids though, is you're practically teaching them not to trust the person who throws the ball. Is that what it is? No. Because you're saying that we teach them that just because someone throws a ball. No, no, uh, that's not at my my school, but uh, at all. But I'm just saying is, I it was a bad example of showing like there's milestones. You un, you start understanding things more. Like oh, like people are pricks. They they won't, no, no, no. they'll pretend like they're throwing a ball. Well, but not. they'll learn that that adults are shitty, kids are shitty, we're all shitty. <laughs> See, oh, if no, no one sees it, if no one sees what you did. My, my pets, Did it really happen? My my pets, my oh god, I'm peeking. My my pessimism has gotten to you. So sorry. I I find it riveting. <laughs> well, we hit the one hour mark. Well, it's good seeing you, Jorge. I'll probably see you next week. Where can people find your stuff? Well, you could see me at Frascati's and Woodham's on Mondays, and and a lot of the a lot of the time Tuesdays, Poorhouse a lot. Caravan a, Wednesday. Do you have like a Twitter where you keep in touch with me? I'm on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I, but I, I I'm on Facebook, uh, just under Kyle Hovland. Uh, or you and um, just just walk up to me and just and you know, just walk up to you. Walk up to me, and if only if you're attractive, walk up to me, <laughs> and just give me a big hug and say welcome home, and I'll know that I'm. Where I'm at. You know? Welcome home. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's Kyle Hovland. Thank you for coming. Thanks, buddy.